You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. Happy New Year, everyone. It's so good to see you all here this morning. Um, personally, I'm looking forward to uh, the year ahead and what God is going to do through the church. And when I say church, of course, I don't mean this building. I mean all of us together, the body of Christ. And so I'm excited what God's going to do this year through us. And um, since it is a new year, that also means it's a prime time for us to kind of reevaluate and remind ourselves as a church, why do we exist What's our identity? Uh, what are we hoping for? And uh, Proverbs, Proverbs 29, 18 says, Without revelation, people run wild, but one who follows divine instruction will be happy. Uh, the message translation says, says it like this, If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. And uh, in other words, we, if we don't know who God is and, and what God is calling us to do, and if, and if we're not all on the same page as to why we exist as the church, and if we're not all moving towards that same goal, the result will be us just, you know, running wild in every direction and tripping all over ourselves. And I have to laugh, honestly, at the picture of every one of you stumbling all over yourselves. But uh, <laughs> the reality is, though, if, if that was happening in that case, we'd all be experiencing what we'd be experiencing would be, you know, an unhealthy mix of confusion, complaints, clashing opinions, lack of commitment or abandonment. At the very best, we'll just remain stagnant as a church, like a social club without direction or purpose. Um, We don't want that. So on the other end, we're most blessed and, and in fact unstoppable if we're able to become focused together on the same prize and stirred up with the same passion to go after it together. And passion, that word passion, is, is the key word here, right? It's, it's that thing we desire, what we long for, what we hope for, and what we can't get enough of. It's what will drive us forward. It's what will keep us invested. It's what will make us successful. So here's the question. What are we passionate about at the gate? Well, that's what I want to talk about this morning, what we're passionate about here at the gate. Um, in fact, over the last couple of months, the leadership at the gate has been praying about and, and adjusting and, and you know, rewording some of our church's pur- purpose statement to reflect this a lot better. And, and so I want to highlight some of that today, our church's purpose statement, uh, and just to make sure that we're all on the same pa- page and uh, moving in the same direction together. Though, t- to be honest, it's really not going to be that complicated. It's not that complicated. In fact, one of the things that hasn't changed from our previous purpose statement is our passion portion of that statement. Right at the beginning, and and you can find our passion statement online on our website, and we can print it out for you as well. If you're coming to the membership class after this, we're going to talk all about it. Um, Right at the beginning of our purpose statement, we can read that our passion at the gate, the very reason we exist is for proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. Proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. It's not that complicated, right? But that's what we're passionate about. That's what we're passionate about, making Jesus known and bringing glory to God. 
And, and this is really what Scripture commands every single church to do. Deuteronomy 32.3 says, For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you, the church, you are chosen race, a royal priesthood, a royal nation, a people for his own possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 2 Corinthians 4, 5 to 6 says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So at the gate, we're not here to build our own kingdom. We're not here for ourselves. We're here to proclaim the kingdom of God. We're here to proclaim the mighty and victorious name of Jesus. Because we believe that he's our salvation. Right? We, he's the light that overcomes the darkness. He's the truth. He's our righteousness. He's, he's the reason that we have hope in eternal life. He's the living word and an ever-present friend. He's our supply and our comfort and our joy and our strength. He's the one who transforms our hearts and works in our lives for his glory and purpose. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. He's everything. He's everything. And therefore, we long to make his name known, to worship him, to praise him, to, to seek him, to know him deeper, to teach his word, and, and, to, and to declare the good news and his grace to those who need to hear it. Theologian Albert Muller writes, The Christian finds passion in the great truths of the Christian faith especially in the gospel of Jesus Christ. No one who has truly experienced the transforming and redeeming power of the gospel can think of life without passion. A Christian arises from this passion and is driven by it. That's what we're passionate about. That's why we exist. That's what drives us to do and to be who we are. It's all because of and to Jesus for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever, as it says in Romans. And as Jesus himself says in the Gospel of John, it's only through abiding in him that we can bear good fruit. Or as theologian Spurgeon writes, when Jesus is lifted up in his church, his presence is the church's power. Therefore, we want everything we do as a church to be done for and from this passion for Jesus. About this, Philip Reichen also writes, when the church does what it is supposed to do, everything it does exalts the name of Jesus Christ. The result is a growing church, a church that God will use to bring people to know him in a saving way. That's what we want to see here, which means that, that, that everything we do 
that everything we're going to be doing moving forward from Sunday morning services to community groups to church meetings to, to Bible teaching to living out our individual lives throughout the week to special events to serving to, to missions and everything in between. We want everything we do and invest in as a church to be for the purpose of exalting the name of Jesus Christ so that God can, can bless this church and use this church, us, for his glory to draw people to know him and grow closer to him. And of course, conversely, we're not going to be spending much time or effort on things which don't accomplish this. That's a waste. Especially because we know that Jesus is coming again soon. And in the same vein, our our time inside of these mortal bodies is incredibly short. That's been on my mind a lot over the last three weeks. I, I officiated a funeral and I attended one. Our time on this earth is very short. We don't have time to mess around. In fact, you know, one of the, one of the main reasons we decided to use the word passion instead of any other word like vision or whatever to define why we exist as a church is, 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 is because, first of all, Jesus is someone to be enthusiastic about. Amen? Amen. That amen wasn't... Enthusiastic enough, but whatever. (laughs) We'll get there. Secondly, it's because, as I stated earlier, you know, whatever we're passionate about, passionate about will drive everything else we do, right? Whatever we're passionate about will drive everything else we do. It's, it's passion that enables us to work singularly and tirelessly. It propels us to be able to stand in, in front of adversity and fight through it. It's, it's what gets us up in the morning right? For, for example, it was Martin Luther's deep passion and, and conviction for, for Jesus Christ and, and the gospel, which enabled him to stand in front of the holy Roman emperor and, and, and declare, here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. God help me. In, in contrast to that, though, we're, we'll, we'll rarely act upon something that we're not excited about, Right? unless we're forced or coerced to do it. Or as they say in church lingo, voluntold. That's, that's not what we want to see happening here. I don't, want to, I don't want to see people pressured into serving or forced to have to serve. We want to see people so passionate about Jesus and their love for others that they're excited and they're willing to sacrifice and serve and give and do whatever it takes to display it. Because if we're truly passionate about proclaiming Jesus' name, we won't have to be forced to do anything which will accomplish that. Rather, we won't be able to do otherwise. 2 Corinthians 5, 13 to 15 says, For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. He died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Just like this at the gate, Jesus is the one we live for. His love compels us because his love was poured out for us at the cross. And therefore, our life is no longer our own. Our life is his. 
Our life belongs to him. At the gate, we want to be beside ourselves for Jesus. We want our passion for him to drive everything we do, every decision we make. And if it wasn't, I would have slept in this morning. I had a terrible sleep last night. My dogs kept me up all night. If I wasn't here for Jesus and to proclaim him, I'd still be in bed. Right? I'm passionate about Jesus, and I want to see that in the church. Another reason that we use the word passion in our, in our purpose statement as a church is because our passions always become our priority. Our passions become our priority. Luke 12, 34 says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So what you invest in, what, 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 you, what you pour your time, money, and effort on is either already what you're passionate about or it, or it will become something you're either passionate about or something you idolize or whatever. In, in fact, you know, there's an easy way to, to kind of gauge this. You can check your, your bank statements and your calendars, your screen time. But what, what are you investing in? Your time and your effort and your money. That, that'll show you what you're, you're passionate about or what you're idolizing or what you're obsessed with or whatever. All that to say is that if we at the gate... If we at the gate are all passionate about Jesus and and growing his church, then we'll find ourselves investing in Jesus and his church. We'll desire to be humble and, and willing vessels for what God's doing here. We'll desire to spend more and more time with him in prayer and in scripture, which is what Pastor Brad was talking about earlier. We'll desire to give and serve in in, in order to see the body of Christ flourish. And we'll be committed to investing in each other relationally and spiritually more and more. If we're passionate about Jesus and building his church, we'll find that it's something we'll be ready to sacrifice for and be committed to through thick and thin, which, let's remember, is only what Jesus has already done and exemplified for us through his life, death, and resurrection. And third, the great thing about passion as well is that it's contagious. It's contagious. Albert Muller again writes, when passion is authentic, the movement catches it and passes it along like a contagion. When we're truly and obviously passionate about Christ and building his church, then others will see it, they'll catch a hold of it, and they'll come alongside of us in what we're doing here. But like, like that quote said, it has to be authentic, right? It has to be authentic because if it isn't, if, if our passion is just this false kind of hype or this, this, this manufactured excitement, then, then people will eventually see through that, right? And, and they'll find it manipulative and hypocritical and empty. Besides, I, I, to be honest, I can't stand that silly and disingenuous garbage anyway. We believe here at the gate that the message of the gospel stands on its own. It's only the name of Jesus and nothing else that's powerful to save. And he doesn't, he doesn't need gimmicks or fake hype to move in our hearts. But neither, 
But on the flip side of that, neither do we want to be this dead church, right? That's just going through the motions, Because if we're constantly giving into that self-centered individualism of our culture or leaning into that apathy, which Lethbridge seems to be so infamous for, then then who's going to look at us with all of our lack of zeal and lack of commitment and lack of excitement and think, oh man, that's something I want in on. Nobody, right? But when our zeal and our passion for Christ, which is playing out in, in our love for him and our love for others, right? If it's real and if it's raw and authentic and transformative, then people are going to gravitate toward it. They'll see us and think, I want what they have. 2 Corinthians 9.2 says, for, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church here and saying, look, your your passion, your excitement for the gospel is not only making you ready, but is also stirring up others as well. He's saying that their passion for Christ is contagious within the church and, and outside of it. And so we want to continue to, to grow in our zeal for the Lord, not for ourselves only, but so that others will see our passion and be encouraged by it and come to experience and know Jesus the way we do. In other words, you could, you could say then that, that our passion is what forms our identity as a church. And we, we describe our identity and our purpose statement like this. Our identity... We are a vibrant and diverse community of people who love Jesus. We worship him in unity, build genuine relationships, and lead Christ-centered lives in the world. That's our identity. And, and there are so many key words in that statement which, which define not only who we are, but, but, but who we want to continue to grow into as the body of Christ. Vibrant, diverse, community, unified, genuine, relational, Christ-centered, and Christ in the world. So here we are at the the beginning of 2023, looking ahead and and planning and wondering and hoping and praying, looking forward to what what, what God's going to be doing through us this year. But as we do, again, we have to remember the reason for it all or, or we'll accomplish nothing. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is our foundation. On that foundation, we passionately live and work and breathe as a church. We cannot forget or lose sight of that. For if he's not building the church, we labor in vain. Once in a while, and, you know, I'm speaking generally here, but once in a while we see in churches, you know, people or individuals, they get angry or they get frustrated when their personal expectations of what they think church should be aren't met or they're upset about things that aren't really that important. It becomes a big deal. And most of the time, that's because they've lost sight of of that end goal, of that prize, the upward call of Jesus, that reason we exist. They've... They've placed their priorities or passions elsewhere, 
and they find that the church is going one way and, and they want it to go another way. And, and this is just what creates divisions and chaos as we've been learning in 1 Corinthians, right? And, and so we can't forget who we are. We can't forget who we are. When Jesus commanded his disciples to go, to go out in, into to all the nations and proclaim the gospel, he commanded them to teach all that they had observed in him to remember what they'd seen and heard about Jesus and proclaim that. And so that's what we intend to do. But Jesus, knowing that we're a forgetful bunch, amongst other things, often distracted by our own personal desires, temptations, and supposed shinier ideas, or and also the busyness of our lives, distractions. Knowing this, he not only gave us his word to keep us on the right track, but he also gave us a helper to keep us going in the right direction. He gave us his spirit to dwell within us, to remind us of our foundation, and continually lead us in the truth. John 14, 26 says, But the Comforter, even the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring you to your remembrance all that I said unto you. So the Holy Spirit is within all who believe and is stirring in us a passion for Jesus and his word, reminding us every moment of what he's done for us and who we are because of it. On that end then, in order for us to be a church that's passionate about Jesus and, 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 and one that's able to powerfully move forward together in his calling for us, We also need to be a church that's deeply dependent on the person and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If we've been saved by the Spirit, we need to walk by the Spirit. And simply put, this this means we need to be a church that's in humble and prayerful surrender to his leading. We need to be committed to that. In humble and prayerful surrender to his leading. Because a church that's in surrender to the Lord is the only kind of church that truly flourishes. A church that's in surrender to the Lord is the only kind of church that truly flourishes. With all that being said, though, you know, are, are, we, are we perfect in living for Jesus as the church? No. None of us are. We have to have grace for that, right? The church isn't filled with a, with a whole bunch of perfect people, right? It's filled with sinners who need Jesus. That's the point. That's the point. We're all in this journey of growth together. So let's never pretend then that we're, that we're more perfect than we are. Again, we want to be authentic, right? So it's important that we do have that in, environment of openness and honesty and, and compassion and repentance, that we can come to each other and say, I'm struggling and, and, and pray for one another and, and carry each other's burdens. But yet as we continue to grow in our faith and passion for his name, so will our maturity and so will then our desire to live and serve him as his body. Our desire as a church, in fact, as it says in our church, church's purpose statement, is that as our passion for Jesus grows, our knowledge and faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ will also grow and become more and more evident in the way it renews and forms our lives. 
and that as our passion for Jesus grows, we'll become more and more committed to discipleship and spiritual growth, to being discipled in our faith and spiritual gifts, as well as being committed to discipling others and, and, and encouraging them in their faith. On that end, our prayer is that, that we'll become more, more deeply committed to surrendering to and seeking the Lord through prayer and through his word. And furthermore, that as our passion grows, we'll also desire to grow more and more in unity with one another. And, and this is so integral. This is so integral as, as, as we've also been learning throughout our ongoing study in 1 Corinthians. Being, being unified together under the banner of Jesus Christ and his word is such an important aspect of being the God-glorifying church we've been called to be. And, and because it's so integral, we're going to be spending a lot of effort striving for it and cultivating community this year by creating a lot of opportunities and spaces where, where we can grow closer together as the family of God, whether, whether that's through something simple like potlucks or, or times of fellowship and, and Bible studies or community groups or times of serving together and praying together and whatever else. Practically speaking, though, it's a change of mindset, right? Be, being unified and being in community is also about recognizing and, and taking hold of that responsibility and that reality that the church and faith isn't just about me, right? It's about the church. It's not just about what I can get out of it. It's about what God has called and implanted in me to contribute to it. As Robert Mulholland writes, spiritual formation is being conformed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. We have to have a change of mindset. It's being conformed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. It's about building up the body of Christ. For if the love of Christ is in us, we'll exemplify him in the way we seek to glorify God through our love for one another, in the way we're ready and willing to give of ourselves for the good of others. It means being committed through thick and thin to coming to church and, and gathering together throughout the week, less and less for selfish gain or as consumers, but rather for the family of God to love and serve one another and forgive one another and pray with and for one another and to bear each other's burdens and worship and grow in the word together. The early church in Acts was committed to this. They had everything in common, it said. And God moved powerfully through them while adding to their number daily. I have, this, I have a really long quote here from A.W. Tozer but I wanted to read it because it sums this up well. He says, The church should be a healthy, fruitful vineyard that will bring honor to Christ. A church after Christ's own heart where he can look at the travail of his soul and be satisfied. Among the people should be a beautiful simplicity and a radiant Christian love. So it would be impossible to find gossips and talebearers. There should be a feeling of humble reverence and an air of joyous informality where each one esteems others better than himself or herself, where everyone is willing to serve, but no one jockeys to serve. Childlike candor, 
without duplicity or dishonesty should mark the church. And the presence of Christ should be felt and the fragrance of his garments smelled by his beloved. Prayers should be answered so regularly that we think nothing of it. It would be common because God is God and we are his people. And this brings us to my final point this morning, which is that as our passion for Jesus grows, our desire is that we'll become more and more committed to spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who don't yet know it. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. We've been called as a church to be the fragrance of Christ to everyone. To continue the mission of Jesus Christ and the apostles by advancing the gospel throughout our neighborhoods, throughout our city, and into the whole world. The truth is that that the church has the only solution for all the hurt and brokenness, and sin, and chaos in a world. And we've been chosen and called by God himself to reveal it and proclaim it. How could we not take that seriously? As it says in our purpose statement, I've been kind of doing an overview of the other things, but I wanted to read this one specifically. It says, we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit saved into God's presence, unified as the church, and given his word. This is stuff I've already talked about, right? But this is not just for ourselves, but to compel us in faith and power to love our neighbor and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. Therefore, we see eternal value in cultivating a culture of evangelism supporting missions and other ministries, giving generously, serving those in need, and sending people out to minister to the lost. So this is another thing that, that, that as a church, we have to keep praying for and continuing to, to learn and, and grow in and lean into as a church this year in our understanding that, that evangelism <clears throat> is part of the everyday life of every Christian. It's not only a church-approved function or a planned missions trip. And we will do those. We do do those. We're going to go on a mission trip in Poland. We serve at the soup kitchen. We do other things throughout the year. But this is something that we're all called to take part in every time we step outside these doors. I often think of the first martyr in Acts, Stephen, he was chosen to be a deacon to serve widows. And then, and then what do we find him doing in the next chapter? He's preaching the gospel. And then he gets killed for it. We're all called to take part in evangelism every time we step outside these doors. We're all called to be workers of the harvest. And the only way our church will experience a harvest of people being saved by the gospel is if we all take a hold of this calling and run with it. So let's lay aside every weight and sin 
and run that we might receive the prize, as it says in Hebrews. Ultimately, we don't want to be the church that's known for its cool music, for its hyped-up services, or its good-looking pastors, which is inevitable. Or it's programs. So well, this church has a better program than that church. Who gives a rip? <laughs> don't care. And yes, we want to do all things with excellence, of course. Absolutely. But ultimately, we want to be a church that's known for our passionate love and fervor for our Savior, Lord and King, Jesus Christ, and for our love for one another. We want to be a church known for giving God all the glory. That's the end goal. That's the purpose. That's our passion. We want to become more and more the church, which is so perfectly described in Psalm 105, 1-5, which says, Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim His name. Make known among the nations what He has done. Sing to Him. Sing praise to Him. Tell of all His wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he pronounced. That's who we want to be. And so my prayer for us this year is that we would be stirred up in our faith that the Holy Spirit would fill us with such passion for the name of Jesus Christ where we can do nothing else but proclaim his name for the glory of God. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are our salvation, our redemption, our righteousness, the light of life, our eternal hope. And so we look to you. As a church, we humbly come before you. We surrender our lives to you. And we pick up our cross to follow after you. Because you are everything. You gave your life for us. And so, Lord, we surrender our lives to you. For your glory. That we, we pray that your name would be made known in this church and in our lives this year, 2023, Lord. That your name would be lifted up, that you would be glorified, that people would see and, and hear the gospel in this church, and they would be saved. Lord, that we would be committed in, in our love for you, that in, in our love for one another, Lord. That we would be committed to, to meeting together, to building one another up in the faith. To investing in what you are doing here at the gate. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill us and ignite in us such a passion 
for your name and for your will that we would be able to do nothing else, Lord God. Lord, I pray that throughout this year, as we face different challenges and, and different victories and, and, and whatever else, Lord God, that we wouldn't become distracted, that we wouldn't become prideful. Lord God, but we would remain focused on you and your call for us, Lord God. Lord, I thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We put our hope in that. Jesus, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for every single person in this room this morning. Lord, that you would ignite in them a passion for your name. I pray this in Jesus' name.